Hey, good morning, Rock Church. Hey, my name's Pastor Art. I get the privilege of teaching you this morning about, um, about how to be generous, something that Brett's already talked about. Uh, so let me start with this. Last, if you weren't here last week, um, we started with the idea that uh, 2020, uh, which you all appear to be anxious for, um, is the time to quit doing certain things, right? But we're not going to talk about, you know, quitting the certain things that we normally talk about, like it's time to quit um, smoking or drinking or not going to the gym or ordering pizza at 12 o'clock at night. We're not going to talk about that kind of stuff because what, what we found out is that all of those kinds of resolutions are generally over by January the 17th, <laughs> which is like, um, I don't know, 12 days from now. So we're going to forget that. And so our premise this year is um, let's, we started last week with it's time to quit making bad decisions. And so this year our theme is better decisions for your regrets. And if you missed last week, I encourage you to go back online and, and listen to it because it, sort of it sort of sets up the whole year for us a, as a church. And so we're going to be talking about those things last week, plus we're going to add to them every single week. And, and this week I want to talk talk to us about it's time to quit being ungenerous and Brett just got done uh, explaining that this this ministry is supported by people that are generous but you know what we haven't done is we haven't offered probably a really good definition of of what's a generous giver look like um because we can all tell ourselves, well, you know, I, I, I give and I give to certain things. But today I want to do my very best to try to um, use one verse with one point that's about generous giving that has four different components to it. And, and this is the verse we're going to use. It's, it comes from 2 Corinthians 9, 7. It says, each of you should, um, each of you should, It says, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And, and I'm going to stop right now and call a time out. Um, because if you're an editor, <laughs> I, ne- I, I, I need you in my life, okay? <laughs> At least on Sunday mornings. Okay, each of you should give what you've decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver. And, and so what I want to start with is, is that there's, dif- there's a difference between being a general giver and a generous giver, because um, all of us can give generally. And, and so let's just talk about that for just a second. And I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to suggest that there are three different kinds of general givers. And so I'm going to talk about the three E givers. There's the emotional giver, the evangelical giver, and the elevational giver. Um, all of us fall very easily and comfortably into one of, into one of these three categories. Um, and I'm going to give you an example. Um, you're, you're home at night, it's late night TV, you can't sleep worth a darn, and so you put on some late night program, and, and during the late night program, you get one of these commercials. Yeah, see, y'all melt. Y'all melt, why? Because this, this, is, this is an emotional give. Um, and there's no, believe me, there's nothing wrong 
There's nothing wrong with an emotional give. We all give emotionally at times. As a matter of fact, last, last week, we talked about when you make really good decisions, there's always attention that requires attention. Remember that? Attention that requires attention. And this is a, this is a tension that requires attention. In other words, this, this emotional give has created some kind of uh, in your life. And you're saying, well, what do I do? Well, since I'm not really a hands-on kind of animal person, I'm more, I'm more of a, a stay-at-home-in-my-bed, write-a-check person, th- th- you know, to relieve my... To relieve my guilt, to relieve my guilt, I'm sending a check, all right? Um, and and we, all, we, all have, um, emotional, we all have emotional gives in our lives. And like I said, there's, there's nothing wrong with emotional gives. Um, and maybe sometimes late at night you're you know, struggling to sl- sleep and you turn on another channel and you get this. You, you, get the, you get the evangelical guy that says, um, you know, and, and believe me, last week when I said, I said, you know, we're so good we can sell ourselves anything, right? We're so good we can sell ourselves anything. Well, we're, sometimes we are so naive we can get sold anything. And, and so what happens is we, we see this um, slick suit microphone. See, anybody with a microphone, one of these or one of these, has the ability to draw out of us some sense that in order for me to prosper in life, what I need to do is write a check to get a check. And, and what do we do? Well, we think it might be worth a try, right? Might be worth a try if, if not, I'll keep the guy in really nice suits. And so we write, we write a check, and that's, that's, you know, that's a prompting uh, for us that's an exterior prompting that, that might in some fashion you know, support some evangelical cause somewhere. And, and the, last, the last one is the, is the elevational giving. Um, elevational giving is like the, the, and I'm not knocking Costco because you know it's my favorite store, but, but when, you know, sometimes when I check out at Costco, they say, would you like to give something to the Children's Miracle Network, right? And, and so what that is, elevational giving is an opportunity for you, sometimes at a point of sale somewhere, where you get the opportunity to be sold into the fact that if you give to this in some fashion, you're going to elevate someone else's life. Nothing wrong with it. Nothing wrong with it. But it's general giving or giving in general. It really isn't generous giving because because here's what happens sometimes if if you're like me how how many how many have given to one or more of those causes or causes like those over your lifetime you know every hand probably should go up but here's what here's what happens is sometimes again there's tension that needs our attention. Because what happens sometimes with 3E giving is that all of a sudden, after having done it, we have regrets. The, uh, and the regrets are that, you know, I wrote, it, I wrote a check that was an, it was an emotional check, and as I looked into things a little bit more, only about 10% of the resources really reach the, the cause that I gave the check for, and so I, I have a regret for doing that. 
Or you find out that, you know, if you release resources maybe to a, a ministry somewhere that you found out that, you know, the, the resources didn't exactly go where you thought they were going to go. Or you said, you know, I did it on a whim. And, and all of a sudden we begin to kick ourselves because we bought into the send a check, get a check, emotional deal. And, and all of a sudden we realize that, you know what, this, remember what the verse said? Can we go back to the verse for just a second? The right verse for just a second? It says not to give reluctantly or under compulsion. And, and sometimes, I, I've done it, you've done it, uh, we've, we find ourselves having given reluctantly or we find ourselves saying, you know, I, I gave this out of some kind of duress in my life. And so, how do we, how do we prevent that? How do, how do we go from being a, a general giver to a generous giver. I want to make you a promise. I want to make you a promise that if, if you become someone that desires to be a generous giver, you will become generous, you will be, release more or give more, save more, and you will consume less in your life. So I'm, I'm going to start with a definition. And it's a definition I've been playing around with for s- several years. And every time I do a talk on generosity, I'm, I modify it just a, just a little bit based on what I've learned or understood or come to know um, since the last time, w- you know, we talked about this. So here, here's the definition of a generous giver, all right? A generous giver is, some, is the premeditated, calculated, designated, emancipated release of personal financial assets. How about that, huh? It's the premeditated, calculated, designated, emancipated release of personal financial assets. So let's start with the idea that, that generous giving is premeditated. In other words, it's, it's, a, it's a priority in our lives. In other words, it's part of a plan. And, and so what happens when we, when we make it a priority or we make it a plan, then we're less subject to giving reluctantly or under compulsion because we've got it under control. And, and so the, the thought is, is how, do, how do you and I put together a plan in advance of any of us even really thinking about that I'm a generous person, okay? In, in the late 1700s, Europe, was being ravaged by smallpox. As a matter of fact, 80% of the people who contracted smallpox in the late 17th century died. And there was a doctor by the name of of Edward Jenner who, who discovered that milkmaids during that period of time were somehow immune to smallpox because almost every milkmaid in the nation had had cowpox from being around cows and getting that influenza, that the milkmaids didn't contract smallpox. So Jenner said, I'm going to do something daring. I'm going to get out ahead of the problem. I'm going to ask people to receive a vaccination that he took he took the he took the fluid from the pus of cowpox blisters put it into a vaccine and injected people and guess what 
they, they became extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> now, now listen to me. <laughs> we'll get to the hilarious part later on, okay? <laughs> they became extremely uncomfortable because cow, cowpox isn't fun. It, it makes you somewhat sick. But what they realized is that it was better to be somewhat sick and uncomfortable with, with uh, cowpox than die from smallpox. And, and that's, that's where vaccines, vaccinations started. I, I didn't know this, but, but um, vaca is the Latin word for cow. And, and so it, it basically is an injection from a cow. And here's, here's what happened. When you get out ahead of the disease, you have a chance to stave it off completely. And, and I think what God is telling us, if, if we get out ahead of something that's a disease for us, sometimes, let's call it affluenza. All right? Affluency. You know, generous people don't assume it's theirs to consume. And so, so what happens is, is if we get out ahead of affluenza, if we get out ahead of our own affluence and, 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 and get an inoculation or an antidote for consumption, that consumption antidote is generally generous giving. And, and you might be saying to yourself, well, affluenza or being affluent, that's not me. But I'm going to try to help us out a little bit. If you answer yes to any of these questions, you might be affluent and be suffering from affluenza. I do. Here's the question. Do you ever walk in your closet and look around and try to figure out what to wear? Th that might be a condition of affluenza. Have you, ever, have you ever traded in a perfectly good car for another car? Yeah, I've done that way more times than I want to remember. We could be struggling with affluenza. Have you ever stood in a line at an Apple store on your cell phone waiting for the next version of the cell phone that you're going to buy when you get to the end of the line. Yeah, that, that might be just a little bit of affluenza. Here's, here's one that this is just going to rain down on you so bad. Have you ever gone shopping just to relax? Yeah. See, we, we could be suffering from affluenza, and when we have affluenza, affluenza may in some fashion, we, we may need to get ahead of it because it's interfering with our generosity, and the antidote to affluenza is to develop a lifestyle of generosity. And I know what you're saying. I, I really know what you're saying because I said it a long time ago. I said it a long time ago. 
when sitting in a church, somebody was talking to me about releasing resources, giving generously, and, and doing all those kinds of things. And I was saying to myself, dude, do, do you know my, do you know where I am? Do you know the debt that I have? Do you know that, that, that my car repair bill is coming due? Do you know all the things that I'm going to struggle with, with respect to, you know, paying for braces for kids or whatever it might be? And they're asking you to be generous. I'm asking you to be generous. And what I'm saying is that I understand all of those things because I live through all of those things just like you do. But, but my bride and I at one point found a cure, and that was by becoming generous and making it a priority. And I know all the things I just talked about make us extremely uncomfortable, right? When you think about getting out ahead and developing a plan or a priority to become generous, all of a sudden you say, just like cowpox, that feels uncomfortable, right? Doesn't it feel uncomfortable? Is uncomfortable good for you? Is, is uncomfortable good for us? The, the answer is yes. You know, it's um, getting out ahead and saying, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna, I'm gonna to dive into something that I'm extremely uncomfortable with because I don't understand the ramifications of it in my life exactly yet, but I'm going to make a decision today to get out ahead of affluenza and become generous. It's, it's pretty easy for us to say that sometimes those things that are uncomfortable actually end up making us healthier. And the one thing I can think of right away is a colonoscopy. <laughs> Extremely uncomfortable. <laughs> Saves millions of lives every year. And so there's, there's nothing wrong with an uncomfortable decision to get, a, to get out ahead of something that might end up being like affluenza, detrimental to who we are overall with respect to our finances and being able to release resources to others in need. Number two, it's not only premeditated, but generous people calculate generous people calculate what they're going to give. Remember, the, the verse. go back to the verse real quick, if we could. I know I'm driving everybody crazy this morning, but I know it's a short drive, so bear with me. Um, each of you should give what you decided in your heart to give. In, in other words, there's, there's a point in your life where all of a sudden you say, you know, if I'm gonna be, if I'm gonna be generous, if I'm gonna be a generous person, then to be a generous person, there's, there's a calculation there's a calculation that takes place right here. Because eventually when you say, I want to be generous, we, we all of a sudden, it becomes a heart issue. When it becomes a heart issue, there's a calculation that, that takes place. And, and what I'm going to suggest is that, that that heart issue, going back to the calculation, it's some percentage of what you receive is what you can use to be generous with. Some percentage of what you receive is what you can release to be generous with. And... I love, I just, I love it when Jesus tells stories. When, it, when, you, when you look at Jesus' stories, sometimes you, you say, you know, you don't even have to be a religious person. You don't even have to be someone that, that, that has a connection with Christ. You don't have to be someone that, that's, you know, on this wild spiritual journey and, you know, God's taking you on this skyrocket exercise. You could be, you, you could be, um, you, you could be someone here today that just walked in after the first of the year saying, you know, my life is really pretty 
uh, messed up. I really made some bad decisions. I'd like to make better decisions this year. And you know, you have no connection with God whatsoever. And welcome to the rock, by the way. Glad you're here. Um, but but you don't you don't have to be a deeply spiritual person to get what's going on in Jesus's story sometimes. And I, and I love this story because it's a story about people in the Bible that were really bad at being rich. You understand what I'm saying? They were really bad at being rich. Here's what it looks like. I can't see that one. Oh, I can see this one. Here we go. Pardon my back for just a second. Sitting across from the offering box, sitting across from the offering box, he was observing how the crowd tossed money into the collection. The he is Jesus. And so Jesus, Jesus is in the temple courts. Um, he's, he's, and, that's, and that's where the offering boxes were. See, in, in, in Jesus' time, they didn't pass an offering plate. Um, there, were, there were offering stations, offering boxes um, in, in the temple court areas. And generally, the offering boxes were in the different parts of the uh, temple court area because there were offering boxes for different types of people based on background and history and all that kind of stuff. Uh, as a matter of fact, the, the offering boxes may, may look a lot like the offering boxes you see at, at the rock. But one thing we do know is they didn't, pa- they didn't pass an offering box. And so Jesus was just sitting across from the offering box, observing how the crowd, now, now the word tossed money into the collection plate, you know, what, you know what it means? It means flippantly flipped. It was just a, meh. And, and so that's what, that's what he was seeing. M- many of the rich were, making large contributions. In other words, a lot of the people that were, were rich weren't being, weren't being good with respect to being rich because they were making large contributions, but they were just kind of flipping it out of their, out of their purses or out of their wallets um, into the offering box, and it, wasn't, and it wasn't meant to do anything other than show everybody else just how special they were with respect to the amounts that they could flippantly flip out into the offering box. And then he says, one poor widow came up and put in two small coins, a measly two cents. Time out. You know what Jesus has just done? He's created a tension that deserves our attention. He said, let me, let, me set, let me set this up for you. Because we know those people, Jesus is saying, you know these people that think they're uh, BSGs, big shot givers, all right? They think they're big shot givers. And here's, here's what he says. He says, Jesus called his disciples over and said, here's the truth, all right? Um, this is, this is the one that's going to hit you right square between the eyes. Here's the truth, is that this poor widow gave more. Now, now let me explain that. She, how much did she give? She gave her two cents, all right? But he says she, she gave more. How, how could she do that? It's, it's based on what she had. In other words, she gave more in relation to her total assets 
than anybody else here in the courtyard. And so what Jesus is saying is that, is that her giving was based on a percentage of the total resources that she had. And, and as we get down to the bottom, it says, to the collection then, all the others put together, all the others gave what they never would miss, and she gave extravagantly what she couldn't afford. She gave her all. <laughs> I, I just can't imagine I just can't imagine someone um, at that time putting everything they had in the offering box. You know, you know what that tells me? All of her life was dedicated to God. All of who she was was dedicated to the one that was responsible for her life and her very existence. And she said, it, it, it's kind of like m one of my favorite TV programs, the World Series of Poker. I'm all in on this deal. What would it be, what would it be like if, if the church became like this widow? And this is what I'm gonna suggest, that the percentage matters more than the amount. The percentage matters more than the amount. I, I'm just gonna suggest that if, if you wanna be, become and start a journey as a generous giver, pick a percentage. And, and it doesn't matter to me what it is. Some people pick 10% because their incentive from scripture is 10% is called the tithe, free will tithes and offerings. But, but just because someone mechanically gives 10% doesn't necessarily mean they're a generous giver when they could afford a lot more. So wh what I'm gonna suggest is pick a percentage. If you, wanna, if you wanna start a generous journey this year, just pick a percentage. A and here's why. It, it does a couple of things. A as, as our resources go up as a nation, as our resources go up as a nation, our, our percentage of giving generally goes which direction? It goes down. So as we become richer, we become less generous. And so if we start with a dollar amount, as we become uh, more affluent or as we become richer, what happens is that we stay with that dollar amount and in proportion to our resources and our riches, we become less of a giver later on than we did early on. And so God just says, just begin with a percentage. Here's why. It not only will be a percentage that you give, but also as you become more influential in your ability to give, your, your giving goes up proportionately. And so you never lack progressive giving. And, and that's what God calls on us to do. He says, make progress in your giving. And the best way to make progress in, in your giving is just make it a percentage of, of what your resources are and then begin that process. It's, it's really not all that com comfortable, uncomfortable, <laughs> Freudian. And so it's, it might be uncomfortable now, but it's going to be worth it. Why? Here, let's look at the next part. Premeditated, calculated, designated. It's designated. In other words, generous givers decide where it goes. 
You make the decision in advance. Nobody else. You don't have to worry about, you know, you don't have to worry about one of the three E givers. You don't have to worry about it's emotional or evangelical or elevational. If generous givers make the decision well in advance and, and they make that decision well in advance. And, and here's what happens is sometimes when, when maybe you're at, at, at Petco or Costco and you say, would you like to make a, make a contribution to Chir Children's Miracle Network or ASPCA or whatever it might be, sometimes we feel really guilty about saying no. And I'm not saying you have to say no, but you can say, you can say no knowing full well that you've already said yes to those things in your life that are a priority because you've decided, you've designated all of that in advance. And, and so what do we do? We generally, I say, give to those things that make your heart glad and or sad. Your choice. What makes your heart glad? May, maybe it makes your heart glad to give, release resources to the rock because you know it's a place where people can can go and be embraced and accepted and included no matter what their history, no matter what their background, what, no matter what their social status, no matter their sexual orientation, no matter what it is. You, you say, I, I'm glad to be able to release resources to a, to a ministry that lets anybody belong and come through the doors and be fully embraced by the power of God and then begin a spiritual journey that's gonna transform them into something that God wants them to become. You make, you make the choice. Or what makes your heart sad? I don't mean that prompting sad. What, what is it in the core of you? What is in the core of you that makes you sad? You know, I think one of the things that the Rock Church is on a journey trying to figure out and trying to do right now is to, is to, help, is to help children in transition. Those, those kids that are out there in transition that over 4,000 kids in the Washoe County School District are kids in transition, which means that, that they have a guardian somewhere, uh, but their guardian just isn't caring for them, and they want to finish school. And, and so they're, they're couching it with friends, they're living in their car, they're living under bridges, they're doing all different kinds of things, and, and yet they still, have this, they still have this compulsion, they still have this passion that they wanna finish school. And the thing that's, that's deterring them from finishing school are just the most basic of needs that they can't get met, like personal hygiene products or clothes or, or a, a place to live or a place to lay down or a family to embrace them. And you know, the rock is gonna get heavily invested and evolved in those kinds of things this year. And so, you know, if, those, if, if the rock makes you glad and, and Project 150 and Kids in Transition make you sad, then your resources aren't gonna go to waste around here. And, and it, doesn't, it doesn't have to be here. I mean, if, if the rock is your home church, we encourage you to be glad about supporting it and, and making it more than it is right now because we're all fully embraced and participating in that process. And then, and then the last part of the definition is emancipated. Now, this is funny, all right? This is funny. It, it, the, the, term, the term used in the text is cheerful giver, right? You want to go back to the text? You believe me? 
Okay, I just want to see if you're still tracking. Okay, it says, it says in, in the text, you're not reluctantly or under compulsion because God loves us. Let's say it together. I think he wants us more cheerful than that. Okay, let's say it one more time. One, two, three. It, it really literally is translated hilarious releaser of resources. Hilarious releaser of resources. It means that when you become a cheerful giver, that you actually become giddy about what you're able to do, not thinking that you would ever have the opportunity or God would ever put you in the position to be someone that could release resources in such a wild and crazy fashion. Have you ever felt that way before? That God put you in a place where you could release resources and, and it just made you laugh to say, God, God is using me to do some really hilarious, crazy things. See, when you, when you change what you spend on your wants so that you can begin to release resources to other people's needs, it kind of makes you crazy inside. Generous people love meeting other people's needs before their own needs and wants. You know, you will never be unhappy if you release resources that change another person's life. You'll never be unhappy. You'll be wildly ecstatic about being able to be a part of that. And in this ministry, I know someone who provided a place for someone to live when they hit a bad stretch in life. They sacrificed resources and time and wants to ensure that the needs of shelter and clothing and food were in another person's life. It made them crazy, hilariously crazy about being able to do that. I know someone in this ministry who is taking in a child to transition, providing not just the material needs for that child, but the need of a family, the need of a family that will communicate with them, help them make life decisions, encourage them along, and make them feel worth and value and significance. And I know that family just laughs at the opportunity to be able to do that. I know someone in, the, in this church that's the recipient of a liver. That some family released one of their family's organs to this person so that they could have a life above the ordinary. And, and know that those families that do that are, are generous givers because it not only makes them cry, but it, it makes them laugh with the ability to be able to change another person's life. It's emotionally engaging. It's energetic. And who would have ever thought that you, where you sit today, have an opportunity to do that 
in someone else's life. You know what it is? It's emancipation. It's the, it's the freedom to release resources so that other people can live in freedom above and beyond what they ever expected. I think for us as a church, it's time to make our way into becoming generous above the ordinary and make it a plan for all of 2020. Heavenly Father, we thank you for this morning together. I thank you for this church. I thank you for its willingness to be open to making better decisions and having fewer regrets for 2020. And I know individually we can all make those decisions. And I pray that we do individually because when we come together as individuals, we become a collective force that in some way will make a difference in who you are in the Truckee Meadows and how we reach out and touch those people that need, that need us for just the basics in life. And so we thank you and we praise you. And it's in the name of your son's powerful and gracious name that we pray. Amen.